the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And off during their Memorial Day sale. Sale and soon, so shop today at Blindster.com. I'm Margo McKenna on 101.1 The Answer. An Arkansas talk legend, Dave Ellswick, on 101.1 FM, The Answer. It's a Monday. Good to get together again. We got a lot to talk about today, but today is June 6th. On this day in 1944, the uh, Allies who had come together tried to begin to wrest control of Europe from uh, the hands of Adolf Hitler. So, with that thought in mind, if you were anywhere in the world listening to a radio at that time, here is what you heard from our president of the United States at that time, FDR. My fellow Americans, last night when I spoke with you about the fall of Rome, I knew at that moment that troops of the United States and our allies were crossing the channel in another and greater operation. It has come to pass with success thus far. And so, in this poignant hour, I ask you to join with me in prayer. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. Lead them straight and true. Give strength to their arms, stoutness to their hearts, steadfastness in their faith. They will need thy blessings. Their road will be long and hard. For the enemy is strong. He may hurl back our forces, Success may not come with rushing speed, but we shall return again and again. And we know that by thy grace and by the righteousness of our cause, our sons will triumph. They will be sore tried by night and by day without rest until the victory is won. The darkness will be rent by noise and flame. Men's souls will be shaken with the violences of war. For these men are lately drawn from the ways of peace. 
They fight not for the lust of conquest. They fight to end conquest. They fight to liberate. They fight to let justice arise and tolerance and goodwill among all thy people. They yearn but for the end of battle, for their return to the haven of home. Some will never return. Embrace these, Father, and receive them, thy heroic servants, into thy kingdom. And for us at home, fathers, mothers, children, wives, sisters, and brothers of brave men overseas, whose thoughts and prayers are ever with them, help us, almighty God, to rededicate ourselves in renewed faith in thee in this hour of great sacrifice. Many people have urged that I call the nation into a single day of special prayer. But because the road is long and the desire is great, I ask that our people devote themselves in a continuance of prayer. As we rise to each new day, and again when each day is spent, let words of prayer be on our lips, invoking thy help to our efforts. Give us strength to strengthen our daily tasks, to redouble the contributions we make in the physical and the material support of our armed forces. And let our hearts be stout to wait out the long travel, to bear sorrows that may come, to impart our courage unto our sons, wheresoever they may be. And, O oh Lord, give us faith. Give us faith in Thee, faith in our sons, faith in each other, faith in our united crusade. Let not the keenness of our spirit ever be dulled. Let not the impacts of temporary events, of temporal matters of but fleeting moment, let not these deter us in our unconquerable purpose. With thy blessing we shall prevail over the unholy forces of our enemy. Help us to conquer the apostles of greed and racial arrogances. Lead us to the saving of our country and with our sister nations into a world unity that will spell a sure peace, a peace invulnerable to the schemings of unworthy men, and a peace that will let all men live in freedom, reaping the just rewards of their honest toil. Thy 
will be done. Almighty God. All right. So that was the President of the United States. The morning of uh, June 6, 1944, as D-Day began. Uh, During that day, 4,400 American troops died on the beaches of Normandy. Uh, 29,000 were dead by the end of the actions uh, that culminated uh, Normandy, which was in August of 1944, with 100,000 that were wounded or missing at the time. FDR wrote the prayer himself with the help of his daughter, Anna. So that went out. And if you've ever read uh, the the diary of Anne Frank, uh, she references that speech and that prayer uh, when the president gave it and said they were listening to it in the dark. And they got up and they started to dance joyously around the apartment they were hiding in. Uh, there in, um, I think they were in Norway, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, of course, she didn't get to see uh, the liberation of Europe. She died before that could occur. Also during that time, if you were a fighting man, if you were a pilot, if you were in the Navy, this is what you heard from the Supreme Allied Commander, Dwight Eisenhower. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. the destruction of the German war machine, the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe, and security for ourselves in a free world. Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. To say that they were a bunch of uh, brave men is an understatement. All right, really an understatement. Uh, Rommel didn't believe that they were going to be at Calais. That's where, you know, Patton was over in England across the channel, the narrowest part of the channel from Calais, France. And they put on one of the greatest uh, shows of misdirection ever in the, in, in, the, uh, uh, in battle. They had inflatable tanks and all kinds of stuff, and uh, the uh, the Nazis were sure that that's where we were coming. 
Rommel kept telling uh, the Fuhrer at the time that uh, they were going to come to Normandy. And when he went up there, uh, he flooded all of those fields around uh, Normandy and to try to slow the advance that he knew was coming. And sure enough, he was right. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a tough, tough slog. But uh, you know the end of the story just as well as I do. And uh, we were successful. And uh, Adolf Hitler put a bullet in his head. Yeah. All right. We're taken yeah. care of. Right. Did you guys, have you guys ever seen Band of Brothers? You ever watched that on HBO? So long ago, I hardly remember. It's great. It's, a, it's, it's, it's really, if you oh, get, yeah. Paul, you, being really good. You, need to, yeah. you need to watch it, Paul. Okay. You, I, I, you need to see that show. Uh, it doesn't back, back off from the brutality of World War II. It was a brutal time. Of course, I thought that was brutal. My dad served with Patton in Third Army, so I was always interested in that in the European theater. And then when I was in the Air Force, I was stationed on Guam. And then I got in, interested in the Pacific theater. And I got to tell you, I think the Pacific theater may have been worse than the I'm European sure. theater. Yeah. It was really, really dug in uh, the, with the Pacific those, Island hopping those campaign. Guys were, those guys were willing to take a, a no-exit strategy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was win or lose. That's what it was back then. It definitely was that. So anyway, we, we want to take the time here for just a few moments and salute it, uh, our men and women, uh, during that time. And uh, 160,000 men took part in, in D-Day. Yeah. I'd like to give a shout-out, a shout-out, and I sent a link to uh, Elizabeth that put on there. But there is a Bedford Boys Museum in Bedford, Virginia. That's where the uh, D-Day Museum is at. The D-Day Museum is in Bedford, Virginia, because they lost more boys that day in that town than any other town or community in the United States mm-hmm. of America. They they lost, I believe, I stand to be correct, I believe it was 19 sons of that town wow. uh, on that day within a couple of hours, but they had they were all on the, on I believe, on the same landing craft, and they were within range when the they same. were coming. The same landing craft. See, that wouldn't happen today. They wouldn't allow that to happen. The Sullivan Act had passed by the time. The leader, I believe they said, he took a bullet the second the door went down, that that he fell the second the door went down, and they were within range when they come off. Uh, all of them did not die, but that is the reason that, that the D-Day Museum's in that town. I've been to the D-Day Museum, but the last time I went, I wanted to eat in a local restaurant, and they said, hey, there's another museum you need to watch. I walked around the corner, and there's a bunch of volunteers that are, uh, has started a nonprofit organization, and it is set up in the drugstore uh, drugstore there in that town where all the boys would go for sodas and stuff like that. Oh, cool. So they took the town drugstore and turned it into a museum for the 19 sons that they've lost. Wow. And they have volunteers from town giving tours and telling them about the boys. So if anybody gets a chance to go, it's amazing. All right. That sounds like something we should do next year on the Patriot Tour when we're going back to Washington, D.C. Oh, definitely. We'll have to stop there. I'll bring that up to Gina, and we'll see about stopping there. All right, let's get our first break in, and we'll come back. We'll talk a little further about this, and then we'll talk about the assault on our liberties that are going on here in this country right now. 
on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about PI Roofing. PI Roofing is there to take care of your roof, uh, and they'll do it very professionally. Uh, we're going to have rain later today. I think they're saying it's going to start around noon, and uh, the end of that rain will happen sometime on Friday. Just so you know, it's going to rain every day this week. It's going to be a wet week, and uh, so we'll keep that in mind. PI Roofing, you call them at 501-707-3551. Visit them online, piroofing.com. Very, very, very uh Great place to go get uh, your roofing problems fixed. They've done all of my roofing work on my house for the last 19 years. Nobody else has worked on my roof except uh, PI Roofing. I think that's the best, uh, you know, way for me to tell you that you should use them. All right, we got more coming your way in just a moment. All right, back with you again, June 6, 1944, 78 years ago. And let me just say that if they had not done what they did, you might be speaking German right now yeah. or Japanese. What was it, the man in the high tower? They One coast spoke German, the other coast spoke uh, Japanese. <laughs> yeah, the Pacific was Japanese. There was a neutral zone in the middle. Yeah, it was kind of, it's a, mm. that's a kind of interesting. If you've never seen it, it's on Amazon. You can watch it. Mm. It's about three or four seasons long. Yeah, Tim was telling me about it. He said it was really good. Yeah, it is. It's good. It's, it's, it's excellent. Uh, the other one that was really good is how they, they rewrote uh, the beginning of the war, and I forget, uh, the war against America, I think is what it's called, but uh, Lindbergh is running for president. And if anybody knows anything about Lindbergh, as I, great of a hero as he was... He was not a he, good person. He was on the other side, okay, no, he, of this um, whole argument. He was a eugenist. Yes. He, he liked Hitler, and... Uh, he, he had several German mistresses because he wanted an Aryan ch- child. So yeah. there's a lot of conspiracies about the Lindbergh baby and that he was kind of in it because the Lindbergh baby, baby was infirm, and he was a eugenicist, and he wanted a healthy, a strong... perfect yeah. <laughs> Aryan, so, so he, white, so, yeah. blue-eyed, blonde-haired child. So he yeah. himself pr- produced... Yeah, produced inferior genes. How about that? Yeah. Whose fault is that? <laughs> Lucky Lindy. Yeah, think about that. And then you got, this is the first guy that wrote, you know, flew from New York City all the way over to uh, London, or, or France, pardon me, went to France with Paris. So anyway, it was, uh, that's another good one. That's an alternate history kind of show and what would have happened. And it showed, uh, in the United States, it showed them rounding up the Jews and uh, it showed uh, the people that lived next to these people saying, Yeah, you dirty Jew, get out of here. Yeah, I mean, it just like what happened in Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. It's really sad. Well, really I sad. hope, yeah, I hope uh, there's enough good people in the United States that, that would not do nothing. That uh, well, evil, I agree. W- evil would not. Evil would not prevail because there were good enough good people to do something. But yeah. that's the reason D-Day happened, because there would there were good people to do something, yeah. and they did it. And that's why they had to do it, because there were some evil people in another exactly country. Exactly right. You know, that's one of the parts of uh, Band of Brothers. Um, my father uh, helped liberate Birkenhall, one of the concentration camps. And it, it's the one that they talk about. In, in Band of Brothers. And uh, it was pretty true to, to rights from what my father had told me. He only talked about it, I can't remember if it was once or twice, but he just said he'd never seen anything like that, hoped he never saw anything like it again. It was so bad that Patton puked. 
Okay, mm-hmm. that says it all right yeah. there. And then Patton, it showed in Band of Brothers. It was like uh, Dale Die guy. That's the actor's name, by the way. And I, I mentioned that only because he was my commanding officer when I was on Guam mm-hmm. at uh, uh, Far East Network Radio, and he did. He was our commanding officer for one uh, year. He was a Marine. And he was there on an Air Force base, and he felt like a duck out of water. I can tell you that much. <laughs> but anyway, uh, he was a colonel in the show, and uh, it showed him giving the order. But it was Patton who gave the order that the people of the town that was right next door who were saying that they didn't know nothing about it, he made them come and bury all the bodies <laughs> and see what, uh, what they had done. So anyway, enough about World War II. We want to get to uh, what's going on today. Uh, last week, I don't know if you saw it or not, but the president gave a speech, and uh, they're back at it again, coming for our guns. Uh, it's not AR-15s now; it's AR-15s and nine millimeters. That's the other. He wants. He wants. He says he doesn't understand why anybody needs a nine millimeter handgun. He says, if you got a 22, you shoot somebody in the chest that stays in their body. You got a nine millimeter, and you shoot somebody in the chest, and it it pulls their their lung right out of the their body what and they're saying is on their back. They're claiming they don't understand what home defense and self defense is. Meanwhile, these people are putting barricades up around the Capitol and around yes. the White House, you know, to keep out it's those January sixthers, you know. But they're also claiming like you don't need guns to protect yourself. All right, we're gonna come back. We're gonna talk about it. You can hear Mark; he's all fired up to talk about it here. On the Dave Ellswick Show, let's find out what your news is saying. I just noticed today my computer is working here in the studio. <laughs> this is very cool. I like that. that by the way, I, that hasn't happened in the seven years I've been here. <laughs> they, got it, they got it working. Hey, don't forget about Billy Mack. He's the owner of ICU uh, Protection. I've been telling you about I had them come out and put a couple cameras on my on my property, I got the doorbell camera. I got the camera on my uh, uh, driveway, and then I've got the uh, sensors on all my windows and on my doors. So I'm feeling pretty safe in the Ellswick household. We're uh, wanting to get a big light uh, over to the uh, bedroom side of outside of the house, so we got some light back there right now. Not like very a, like a motion sensor right. type. Yeah, yeah, you know, light it up a little bit back there, but. You know, all my doors have dead blocks on them. To get through them, you're going to have to beat through the door and, and make a whole lot of noise to do it. And uh, by that time, I guarantee you I'll have my AK-47 12-gauge uh, semi-automatic rifle ready to go. And um, it will be fully loaded. And I will have another clip with me probably stuck in my back pocket how, how many rounds does the, does the magazines hold on that thing in that one there about eight eight yeah and total and eight and i can get up to 50 the barrel but you know how heavy that would be yeah like 10 pounds yeah it'd be heavy <laughs> i don't think i want to do that but uh, i just know this if i fire it one time if it's a any kind of uh, robber that's worth their salt they would go the other way but anyway I would be notified on my phone that somebody was coming in. I'd be notified uh, by the cameras that they had picked up somebody and uh, and uh, they were moving around. And uh, what Billy Mack and his crew does is really good. Look, these are the guys that uh, do the uh, security at Nuke One. And I just figure 
if if they're using them to take care of a nuclear reactor, I can use them to take care of my house. That's just the way I feel about that. Uh, call them at 501-205-1333. If you needed another reason to go with uh, ICU protection, you pay for the service. All that equipment they put on your house, that's yours to keep. All right? They pay for the service, not the hardware. That's Billy Mack and ICU Protection. All right, so last week, President of the United States stood in front of the American people and gave a, an address. A uh, little had to do a little showmanship. They they lit uh, a number of you know, candles for all the victims there in Buffalo and the victims in Uvalde and other victims of of uh, shootings here in the United States. Now, I don't know if they did anything for Chicago, Philadelphia, New York, where they go on there all the time, but that's what they did. Uh, the president uh, said they want to get, uh, you know, they want to get rid of uh, AR-15s, which I'm going to assume means AK-47s are going to go the way of the dodo bird if they have their way. And then the other uh, was a 9mm. First time he's ever brought up a handgun. And he brought up the handgun 9mm. 9mm is the most popular handgun in America. About 40% of the people who own guns in the United States own a 9mm. Plus, high-capacity magazines. Those evil, high-capacity magazines. Well, look at the slippery slope. I mean, we're already seeing it right now. They're saying, we only want to take your AK-47s. That's all. And in the same breath, we also want to take your handguns from you. So, I mean, how can anybody so, fall for well, it? Well, but <laughs> obviously we can't be trusted with anything more than slingshots. Pretty much. I mean, I mean, and even those, we probably need to have some, some, some regulations on the slingshots. Right. Well, these are the same point. people who can't tell you the difference between an automatic or a semi-automatic. They and don't know right. anything about guns. They have security who and, have the guns for And a 9mm pulled your lungs out of your chest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. that, I, I don't know what kind of 9mm he's shooting. <laughs> I had somebody I, on my Twitter account today that said, yeah, a, uh, AR-15 is only good f- not for hunting but for shredding the flesh and killing people, and I I couldn't help myself. And I sent him one back, and I said, uh, no, I, I use an AR-15 to go hunting too, and it shreds the flesh of deer, pigs, and bear. When's the last time? Yummy. And then I added yummy. (laughs) You know, they are switching what's really going on. They've taken prayer out of school. You can go and look at the statistics of crime since prayer has been taken out of school and since God and morality has been taken out. So the bottom line is this is a bait-and-switch thing. Uh, the Democrats are responsible for the problem, but it's caused the value of life is zero because they're teaching the kids in school that the kid sitting next to him is, is not human, is not created in the image of God. He's an animal just like a dog or a cat. That is the real problem. And but, if, you're, if you're a young lady and you happen to get pregnant, well, just... Have an yeah, have an abortion. So that's right. So, it, yeah, it's not a human being. Mm-hmm. It, it is a thing. And the people around you are, are a thing instead of human beings. The Democrats are the problem, but they're doing their bait and switch and trying to blame something oh. else. And they're trying to point it to the people that uh, that believe that, that we should be able to protect ourselves. This is from the party doesn't believe that God should be in there. Their platform. Exactly right. Now, we got to go back to Obama's run against Romney, but at their convention, 
you go back and watch this, okay? Go, just do yourself a favor. Go back. Because the guy who was taking care of the gavel at that time knew that that was the wrong thing to do because they wanted to get rid of God from the platform. And he gaveled, gaveled it down, and they, he, he went to a voice vote. And when you listen to that, the voice vote was overwhelmingly get rid of God. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you. And he, he said, and the, uh, the eyes for holding on to God have it. <laughs> and made this, they all had an uproar because they knew yeah. that that wasn't the truth. Yeah, but it went crazy. Th- this is the result of taking God out of our education system and, and, and the breakdown of the family and the plan that God had to, for people to have a support system. And uh, you can't deny it. The statistics support it. Yeah, you can. The whole thing of breakdown American family, uh, especially the black family. Uh, you can thank LBJ for that. 1964. Well, parents yeah. need to wake up and get their kids out of these government indoctrination centers. They're just. It's, well, they're starting to wake up. They're they starting to do I, it. Now. I, I appreciate that. You know, back back in the in the 80s, I guess homeschooling. They was looked kind at of you becoming, weird. Yeah, it was it was kind of becoming a um, uh, still do kind of. Well, yeah, <laughs> they do kind of still do but, that. Um, You're right. But so so homeschooling was still it was just budding into this this new idea that can, people can actually raise their own children that's a, that's a, a, a new well, fancy idea how do we ever get to the point where parents thought it was normal for government to raise their children for them well the government uh, indoctrinated us into thinking that they raise you in, well i mean not just that but well, look at like popular media and, like, and, and, fr- and free true, and free yeah. handouts and pe- people yeah. were suckered into taking all well, this free sc- what? government's going to give me free education for my kids and then i can go out and get get this job where i can pay the government yeah, lots of money in taxes and well, it's, it's kind of crazy how bad things have gotten where we realize that, you know, South Park, you know, back in the 90s, just how naive that show was. And everyone, you know, c- celebrated it for being so cynical and being and you know, they had their homeschool episode, which I think was from like 1999. And their verdict at the end of that episode was that, no, kids need to go to public school so that they can be properly socialized and uh, and, and, and learn interpersonal skills with other students. Now we're, lo- we're looking at what happens to kids who go to public schools. And we just had a, a drag queen beauty pageant for kids in Dallas. So Mark, isn't disgusting. that the one at the end where they're all wearing brown shirts? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was great. But, <laughs> that's really good. Yeah, at the time, it seemed like a reasonable thing from South Park, like in 2000, say, yeah, homeschool kids are weird. You should put your kids in public schools you know, so that they can meet other kids and be normal. And now we realize that kids who are going to public schools are being indoctrinated and taught critical race theory and taught all sorts of crazy stuff. I wonder how feel about that now. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, they've kind of sold out. <laughs> that's one thing yeah. that COVID did. COVID is even that, waking that. up a bunch of Democratic parents saying, you know what? Uh, I'm not sure we can trust the government with our children. And they've opened up their minds to alternatives when they thought the school would always be there, then the school went away. So now people are open-minded for alternatives right now. We're going to see how open they are. All right, because next year the Republicans are going to have a a big election in November, all right? And we've already had that in 2010, but we're going to have more uh, Republicans – and hopefully conservatives as well, in the House and in the state Senate. And we're going to have a conservative in the governor's office is what we're hoping with with Sarah. And I'm hearing more and more of the uh, state senators talk about education reform 
and freedom in education in the state. But we'll see how they vote. And, and what we're talking about is financial freedom to where you have an education savings account so you can take your money and send your child to the school that educates them Yeah, the, the best. money follows the kid. Yeah. Thank you. Bruce Westerman. Thank you. Bruce Westerman pushed that back in 2010, and it got not only shot down, but it was riddled with bullets well, and, and went down well, in flames. And I think what ends up happening is we've got all these tax-funded lobbyists that come down to the ca- Capitol, and they, they bludgeon and bully the legislators into um, no, it's one, standing well, down. It's, it's two groups. It's the Teachers teacher union. And it's the superintendents. Right. And, and That's the people who are bludgeoning and, 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 elected and officials. How, and how many of these are coming down with tax funds? How many of them are driving state vehicles or tax-funded vehicles? How many of them are on the clock? State employees. Uh, yeah, right, state employees coming down and lobbying the legislature. On state time. That's supposed to be illegal. By it the way, it should be illegal. That's that's well, no, it's a law. Well, it's a law. Know, I, I bet you half the lobbyists down there are tax funded. But they get around nearly. it by saying, "Well, we've got the information that you need to be able to make a good vote on this right, situation." Right. So, but, but they they think that it is their role. A lot of different government agencies, whether it be cities or counties, or they think it is their role to come down and lobby on behalf of their county or city government, or in this case, that maybe the schools. It's, and it's, you know, when they're using tax-funded ta- tax dollars to lobby, that's, how is that not like embezzlement or Take fraud? Take freedom or away of that, from Of that nature. Even if I agree with what they're doing, even if I agree with their cause, how is it not embezzlement or fraud to take tax dollars and use it for political um, advocacy? Well, we'll see next year. Yeah, it's not illegal if nobody charges you, apparently. Let me yeah. tell let me tell everybody, I, I promise you, I will be there to broadcast live. Mm-hmm. I haven't the last two years. This year, I'll be back there in the Capitol, and I'm hoping to be, like, on the second floor instead of on the third mm-hmm. floor. See, when the Democrats were in control, I was up to fourth floor. Then, <laughs> then the Republicans came, and they put me on the third floor. Now the conservatives are coming. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll make it to the second floor. Well, the I like that distinction, the, the, Republicans well, and conservatives. The, the, the nice. third floor is not actually so bad because we're on the same level with the legislatures while they're, while they're in, in session. Well, and so it's kind of actually kind of cool because they, they, we, can look at, we can look at the door. Yeah, they go by us and, you know, and but, um, we can grab but, them and but put them in good. front of the mic. <laughs> so basically we're sounding off to both the, the, the Democrats and the Republicans, both that are out there that are listening to the show, this is what the people of Arkansas expect, and this is what we're going to be telling our representatives, and we expect them to represent the people they oh, come and, from. And, and the, the school choice issues, part of what we're talking about, is good for is for good for Democrats or Republicans or people. Which you know, if if you want your kids to be raised with a drag queen teacher, well, you can do that with school choice. Or if you want your kids to be raised with a God fearing. Um, teacher that that maybe prays with your students or, or actually quotes scripture to them. That's an option too, and so this this is this is options for both ends of the spectrum. I predict that if they would pass a piece of legislation that would let the money follow the student, you'll see a lot of churches open schools. Mm. 
I really believe well, that we, will happen. We, but we'll talk about it in just a moment. I got to get a break in. That's it's that time of the day. Did you see that on, on, on Facebook? Did you see I held my hand up to him and he got quiet? <laughs> He's well-trained. Yeah. All right, the Dave Ellswick <laughs> Show. Don't forget about uh, David Lucas, David Lucas Financial. If you're concerned about uh, the out-of-control government spending, which I know you are, soaring inflation, who isn't, uh, high gas prices, and really who isn't, political unrest and the rapid decline of the U.S. dollar, uh, Millions of Americans are investing in silver and gold to try to protect their nest eggs. Now, there's no for sure 100% way of protecting uh, your IRA, your 401k, hard-earned savings, but silver and gold could help you protect all those assets. But you got to know what to do with it. You got to know how to buy it. You got to know how to, you know, add it in. How much do you buy? That kind of stuff. We work with, uh, or they work. I don't work with it. I, they work with one of the only regulated and licensed national wholesalers in the country. So you get direct prices from a dealer you can trust. Why is it important? Well, to learn more about buying silver and gold, call 501-222-3315. That's David Lucas Financial. 501-222-3315. Investment advisory services are offered through David Lucas Financial and Arkansas Registered Investment Advisor to government made me say that all right back with you okay so that's big I, oh you can't say anything I can, i'm on it i'm on it and okay. we're working on a issue that we've talked about recently okay so anyway just so you'll know uh rd has been put on the republican uh state platform yeah well, i am on the uh platform committee for for the next convention which is coming up here in about 30 days okay i so, gotta go to that i give me the day and the time and I'll, when I'll are we meeting uh, over in lono county because did we meet in last month at all yes we did oh. we, we, we did I and it's it. a normal meeting time this month and okay. uh, last monday I, yeah it'll be okay. the last monday so we'll be back i'll be there thank you very okay. much i'll be there I got a couple of things I got to work on. We still haven't gotten a, a letter from that gentleman who said he. Yeah, Mr. Reed was supposed to get us the information. Mr. Uh, Reed, <laughs> Mr. Reed, are you there? I'll send, him, I'll send him a text and see if he can remind him for our next meeting. I'll try to do that. I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, because we want we want uh, Cabot to be a a, um, a a city that believes in be a pro-life city that's what we want to do all right with that said mark is here today Pellegrini. he's sitting right across from me (laughs) and uh, you've heard his voice a couple times already today he wanted to mention something about soros now we mentioned this a few weeks ago and the candidate that was getting Soros money lost. It was in yeah. the, uh, the, the uh, prosecutor. It should be alarming that there even was a Soros candidate here in Arkansas. And I think that's something people need to think about more often is that, no, George Soros isn't just pumping money into candidates in L.A. and New York and Chicago. He's getting all over the country, including Arkansas, a place where you wouldn't expect him to be. Um, Capital Research Center did an article uh, on this. And the Arkansas Justice and Public Safety Political Action Committee had recently spent over $100,000 in support of Alicia Walton, the former public defender uh, running for the recently uh, vacated position any, of prosecuting attorney for the sex Any relation to the Waltons up in northwest Arkansas? You know, I wonder. No. Probably not. Okay, no. he says no. Okay. But, yeah. I, so the that, that PAC run by George Soros is 
run exclusively by George Soros, and he's already put $321,000, which to him is nothing because he's a multi-billionaire who lives over in Europe. But for uh, a pack like that, that's a lot of money. And he's buying candidates and, and, act, and activist New, prosecutors. New York's DA, San Francisco's DA, Los Angeles' DA, Chicago's DA, all all Soros. Soros candidates. And now he's in Arkansas, our red state, because he knows that he's got the blue states on lockdown. Those are never going to flip. But if he can turn Arkansas purple, then turn it blue. And all it takes is installing his activist judges. And yes, we narrowly avoided that happening here in Arkansas, but they are trying to get Arkansas. So you, we need to be more vigilant with how we vote. Do you guys ever worry that some of these, you know, you, we talk about how nuts they are out in California and Oregon and stuff and how they're doing things, and then the people decide that they're going to move because they don't like it, and then they come to our states. Do you ever think that that's not perhaps a political ploy to try to spread no, I, that poison? No, I think poison it's true. Through, through I, I mean, they, they do things like decriminalizing shoplifting. They hand out heroin mm-hmm. needles, all these things going on in San Francisco. They make it, you know, that if, if, you break, if a homeless person breaks into your car and sleeps, you can't prosecute the homeless person. That's correct. But they're making the places so unlivable that they're driving these people out because they've already got those cities on lockdown. It doesn't do them any good for, blue, for Democrats to live and cluster in blue states because they already have the blue states. They need them to spread out and move to Florida. Well, that's what Arkansas I'm and Texas. Are they doing that? I think so. Because there's for real, just to be able to spread their poison through the whole United I, States. I absolutely believe that. I don't know if it's on purpose or not, but I think it's sort of the natural course of events. I when, when, well, I mean, what, what happens? So, if you've got someone who's just dirty and stupid, they they throw the trash all the way around them until it gets become. They basically live in a dump and then they move on somewhere else. But see, and, I'm not talking about the real losers. All right, I'm talking about people who are willing to go along with raising taxes, raising taxes, sure. raising taxes. I'm, yeah, sure. You know, and, you, you and do all the rest incredibly. Of to. Right? No, they, they are, and I, and I think I think the issue is that I don't know that they realize what's causing. The problems around them. Yes, they, they 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 vote for all these stupid policies. They vote for taxes to go up. They they vote for. Well, then I don't want them here. I don't. That's I, I agree. I agree. The problem is I don't think they they don't realize that, and so they 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 see well, this city's going to hell in a handbasket. We we need to move. Yeah, and then they move no. to a nice city and do everything they can to destroy it. We were, got, we, were talking about, we were talking about uh, judges. Uh, there will be, in the general election, there will be a, a race for Arkansas Supreme Vote Court position, Carnahan. too. Chris Carnahan is formal, former chairman of the Arkansas Republican Party. Robin Wynn, former chairman of Democrat Republican Party. Democrat so, Republican Party? Or Democrat, Democrat Party. Party. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll sober up with another cup here in just a minute. Right. But Robin Wynn is, is, uh, supports the liberal side. Chris Carnahan is a conservative side. And this is going to be a race that is hard to win. Yeah, mm. it will be. All right. We'll be back. we got more coming your way. Power panels here. Coming up at 9 o'clock, if you're in the genealogy, I've got a big-time specialist going to be here on the show for an hour that can work with you on finding out who your ancestors are. That's all coming up on the Dave Ellswick Show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
All right, second hour. First hour is pretty doggone good. <laughs> if you missed the very first part of the first hour, first half hour, uh, let me, uh, when, we, when we put up the show today, go back and listen to it. Today is the 78th anniversary of D-Day, uh, June 6, 1944, and we give you a lot of facts and figures. We play FDR's Prayer to the Nation. I don't even know if we would do such a thing anymore. And uh, the same, and, unless you included Buddha, Allah, and everybody else. But uh, the, you know that uh, that was a big prayer that uh, FDR did. In fact, he wrote the prayer himself with his daughter, and uh, and gave it to the nation, and gave it to the world. And then we played with uh, Dwight Eisenhower, Commander in Chief uh, of uh, all of the Allied nations as he talked to the men that were getting ready to storm the beaches of, you know, gold and Uno and Utah and all the rest of them, Mm -hmm. Omaha, where a lot of men were going to die. In fact, 4,400 men did die on June 6, 1944, uh, to keep us from all speaking German. Just (laughs) bottom line, bottom line. All right, back with you. Let's go. I, I didn't tell you who was here today. R.D. is back. He's here. He's good. good to see you. Yeah, I'm good to have him here. Mark uh, is here. Mark Pellegrin, he is here. And it's good to have him in here. Are you writing any screenplays? Uh, not screenplays right now. I'm working on the next volume of Common America. Okay. That's the comic I do with Timothy Lim. Um, in fact, Who once in a while is on the show? <laughs> yeah, every now and then he's on the show. Um, but, yeah, we've got a, our next book, which is uh, Black Ops, Common America, Soul Finder. That one is going to launch on Kickstarter and Indiegogo simultaneously on Wednesday morning. Um, that's the big crossover between three of our books. Um, wow. And we've been working towards it for about uh, three years now. So, And, and the last crowdfund we did earned uh, about 200000 So this one, we're expecting it to be even bigger. Um, but we'll also have a backlog of all of our old books and hardcover available um, on Kickstarter and Indiegogo as uh, bundles. That works. Yeah. That works. Maybe I have to get you on here on Wednesday to mention that to everybody. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'll make, make sure to see if we can't make that happen. And then, of course, we got our Old Testament prophet in the studio. Paul Calvert is here. Good to have you. know, I'm going to we got to get to the point. You got to get that kind of Charlton Heston Moses look going, where you get a little bit of gray in the beard. Is it start, that, it's starting. Is it? When, it's it, when that happens, then we can really start. Going. Is, you getting gray on your ears? I got too, a little bitty bit of gray. Do, in my beard. Have I known yeah. you that long now that your uh, beard is getting gray? It's ten year anniversary in Arkansas for me this August. And wow. It doesn't feel like it's been ten years since I moved here. That is really Time amazing. Flies. Where where from? Uh, Virginia. From so, Virginia. Yeah. So that. So we were that, talking that, about that's a that's a state that's kind of seeing the light. Yes, um, my brother who still lives up there in Woodbridge was talking about and that he's very he never thought he'd see the day when when so much would flip up there because um, Virginia wasn't always blue. It actually used to be pretty red. Yes, but, um, it did. It's ever since the nineties. It just they got a, a stranglehold on it. But uh, I think reason was finally prevailing, and a lot of it had to do with um, finding out what kids were being taught in schools, what critical race theory really was. When parents actually looked at those curriculums, and that's where the change happened. The change happened with parents finding out what their kids were learning and then taking action against it. Um, and that's the impetus that a lot of us have to uh, you know, look at. Yeah, and, like, and the Democrat Party is just going off the rails crazy. You know, Going can, off? They are off the rails. They're, right. it's, they're it's, going off the planet. They're running down the street right it's, now. It's, it's, it's insane. I mean, 20 years ago, 
the Democrats were crazy. But now, I mean, it's it's like it's like these people who should have straight jackets on are running around running for office with the Democrat Party. It is. It really is insane. And some of them are, are college professors, apparently. And it's it's the, these people are 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 purporting themselves to be leaders of our society. All right. So I'm hoping Biden said he's going to do something, and I hope he does it. Because if he does, then it's it's going to give me uh, the soapbox that I need to talk about something that I have for a long time. RD talks about it as well, and that is schools taking money from the federal government. It's only about 10% of their budget, okay, maybe 12. And I, I'll be honest, if after cutting spending and all the other things that you can do to save money, if a little bit more money needs to be done, you might even get me to agree to raising taxes. But I don't think that you're going to need to have to raise taxes. But here's what Biden said yesterday. He said that if you don't let that little boy who identifies as a little girl use the girl's restroom or the little girl who identifies as a little boy use the boy's restroom, he's going to cut off your federal funding. Now, this is where the rubber hits the road. Are you willing to look them in the face and say, go ahead? Now, if, if they do that, then I think we go back and we do what Indiana did in the 90s when, when uh, uh, Clinton was doing all of his unfunded mandates. Here's what you do. You say, okay, we're not going to send you your gas taxes. That's what – Keep it. Keep it. Yep, but That's, that would require us to have a governor – yeah. With some intestinal fortitude, a legislature yeah. too. Yeah, and that would help. Yeah. The federal government has no constitutional grounds to be involved in school at all. They have no writ- written authority to be involved in school at all, and uh, they are doing it through tests and through the money that we send. But the thing is, in this state. I would say 65% of the state budget in this state uh, comes from the federal government. That's going to be a real close estimate. It's more than that, I think. It's more than 60%. Yeah, I, I think I'm trying it's, to be it's conservative. probably over 80%. So uh, whenever you're looking at at least 65% or more of the state budget is coming from the federal government, we have to elect people that whenever they say – that you will do this you will let the boys play in girls sports and you will let the boys use the girls showers in the girls bathroom or we'll keep your money we have to have people that have the morals and the backbone well, to stand and, up and, and say it's not happening well, there's that right. we need legislators to, to stand up we also need parents to stand up yep. to, and take their kids out of public schools and, but the thing is though that we, we need legislators who are willing to actually shrink government you know they who actually are willing to say federal government we don't want your money we want our people to be free instead of selling us out and and taking bribes from the federal government to take our rights away to do that and and that that's from what i understand that's where we get our our speed limit laws and our seatbelt laws and and who, who who knows what else billboard sign laws that tell you you can't build a billboard without a permit and and have been a lot of the silly stupid rules about that and it's 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 a mess and the and the state legislators need to have a spine and stand up to them and say no we don't want your stinking money but to do what you just said for the parents to take their children somewhere else what we have to do is have children's savings account where the money follows the child to the school of their choice they can't afford to pay for it twice let me mention bruce westerman when he was a state house 
representative brought that up and it was voted down um, un- overwhelmingly, okay? And I have Bruce on every Wednesday and I bring, the, I bring it up to him every once in a while and it's starting to really start to gain traction now. They say what you do in a blue state is turn it is turn it red, and then after you turn it red, you turn it dark red. <laughs> At that time, those people, same people that would not stand behind Bruce Westerman, uh, you know, brought Obamacare to Arkansas and paid people from a hundred percent poverty level to a hundred thirty eight percent percent poverty level paid for their insurance and incentivize them not to work and is part of the problem we can't find people to work in the state of arkansas because the republicans at that time signed on to obamacare and told us after they get all the money that they'd kill it in five years and enough of them believed the lie that they went ahead we still have obamacare well obama dismantled our medical system so why hadn't the republicans dismantled obamacare when the government takes power and says like no we'll give it back to you when we're done with it that's always a lie federal income tax started with woodrow wilson and that was only supposed to be temporary and now we've got to pay almost yeah, like 45 percent one yeah right now we got to pay 45 percent of our income every single year to the yeah, government we're doing it for four generations start off at like one percent yeah right it was it was low but they never gave that back and it's just gotten worse every year for the past almost century <laughs> and what's the what what do they always say is the answer for why they did that to make your life better. But let me take this to another. Your point. That's an excellent point, Mark. Let me take this point to gun control, which we've talked. With, we need to be talking about today. Of course, yeah, we have been talking it. about. But <laughs> this is: we do not want to take your guns. We just want to register everyone who has their guns. We're not going to take them away from you, but we're going to it's register gonna, what everyone has. Okay. Now listen to me. I want you to listen to me. You listen on the radio. You're listening on the internet. The Republicans, some of them are starting to bend, and they're saying that they won't go along with the more radical things that the president is saying. However, they're willing to talk about red flag laws, willing to talk about that, and uh, they're, they're willing to talk about age. And I forget what the other one is. There's a, a form think, of registration. I think more or, more background checks. Right. All right. So, so talking may, about may, that. Maybe trying to eliminate the ability for private gun sales. Here's what I say. Which is a violation today, of the Fourth Amendment. Today. Today. Send a letter to both. Uh, to For me, I'm getting District 2 and District 4, basically. Westerman and, and Hill. You send them a letter and say, no federalized red flag laws. If we want to do a red flag law, we'll do it as this state wants to do it. Not it, it, the way to... Listen, hold on. As Not as the, the federal government wants to do it. I don't think we'll even pass one here in the state, uh, Paul. Right. But I definitely do I not want federal to federalize it. No, I think it's highly... In any way, shape, or form. I think it's highly inappropriate and for that also, to be And also, do not talk about you know, more strict, uh, um, you know, background checks. What is it that I said to you last week? If what you are proposing would not have changed anything in Uvalde or Buffalo or wherever, don't pass it. 
even if it would have changed it. The problem is that liberty it won't change it. Liberty it. is valuable, and the fact is that sometimes the the these the the minor drawbacks, and that means sometimes people get killed um, uh, because of liberty. That liberty is valuable. You know, Not the having, other, you know the other thing that can be done with liberty? You can take it away from somebody who's breaking the law. That's the thing. That's that what they're not punish, doing now. Punish the bad guys. Stop punishing the good people. That's one of the problems with this country is that we don't. We, we don't have the nerve and the guts, the intestinal yes. fortitude, to actually you hold people accountable. Rights so that the in, other people right. don't. In, in, do bad instead of anyway. instead of saying, you know what, sir. You just violated a bunch of people's rights. We will take your rights away because you have you have forfeited them. What we do instead is we're just going to take everyone's rights away because well we can't. We hey, can't remember the Waukesha massacre? Like that's been memory hold by the media. That was when a guy drove an SUV through a parade and he killed almost close to twenty people. I don't hear yeah. anybody saying let's ban SUVs. Well, the left does. Yeah, the left. Yeah, well, like, let's make <laughs> everybody take the, the bus and the train. Let's let's ban independence um, vehicular liberty because of All a right. SUV. Let's center ourselves for. A yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And we'll be back with more here on Dave Ellswick's show. Artie is up first because he's got something he wants to chime in with. Uh, save 30 50% on your health insurance. Get a perfect health plan for self-employed people by calling Pat Davis, 501-605-6935. Now, why self-employed? Because if you're not working for some big multi-company, you know, corporation they're probably not nobody chiming into your you know your health insurance so you got to save every penny you can and you can do that with pat davis choose any provider in the nation uh, you often get a check when you go to the doctor urgent care and even the hospital there are no co-pays the excess money goes to the client instead of the insurance company and the deductibles are uh, at an acceptable level that's uh, Pat Davis, 501-605-6935, or visit him online, yourhealthplanman.com. All right, back with you. Uh, R.D. was ready to chime in, and I, I threw up the, the no, no, no hand, and so I'll turn it over to him now. What were you going to say, sir? Well, there was two things while I was listening to everybody talk. Uh, one thing they were talking about banning things that, that people kill people with. I guess airplanes would have to be on that list after a 9-11. But if you want to look, the first thing that Hitler did whenever he took power was it was gun registration. And then he went and took all the guns away from the Jews because he was planning the Holocaust. And he did not want them to be able to defend themselves. Oh, that's, what, so, uh, that's what Stalin did. That's oh. what Mao did. It's what that's Australia what, is doing that's with what their Fidel COVID Castro camps. did. Yeah. yeah, I mean they. So they did the gun buyback program in Australia. Everybody sold their guns back to the government and like, oh, it'll be fine. We have a benevolent government. Yeah. And then just this past two years, you know, with the whole COVID thing, they just if you, oh, you're not going to get vaccinated. Well, it's your choice. But if you choose not to get vaccinated, we're going to have to quarantine you in a camp. And if you try to leave the camp, even though it's voluntary, we will catch you and we will drag you back, kicking and screaming, and, and lock they you might up. even <laughs> shoot you. And they might shoot you with the guns that they took from you, or yeah. I'm sorry, bought back from you. Yeah, hmm. yeah. I mean, that's happening in Australia. And, and the news is blacked it out. And a voluntary buyback, by the way. Yeah, you had to do it. You like had to sell It's like your, what Canada yeah. just yeah. It wants to do. Like, we're going to buy your guns back. Uh, California just did a gun buyback thing. It was like, hey, we'll give you, oh, you paid 400 bucks for that. We'll give you 50 for it. That's fair. Well, I see organizations doing it. Let me just say, if you want to do that, you go right ahead, all right? I just, 
want the right to put up a sign in my yard saying the guy next to me believes in gun control. He doesn't have any. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't. I got many. <laughs> That's what I want. But Well, I think we just need to recognize that, that when government is able to tell individuals that they cannot arm themselves, and those individuals are essentially slaves. Because when, when, when the government is a servant, then they have no authority to disarm the but average see, this citizen. this is what's important, that people don't get. What makes America different from every other country around the world? The Second Amendment, yeah. basically. The base, our, our Second Amendment is there. Why? Because we had to fight the, the British to get our country. And so they put in the Constitution of the United States that you had the right to keep and bear arms. And it was a, 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 a freedom that couldn't be taken by the government. It, it, it's, it's, so it's all about freedom it, and tyranny. That's what it's about. Freedom from tyranny. And that's what the Democrats are about. They want tyranny, so they want to take their guns away from us. Bottom line, but you just said that we had to fight for our independence and our freedom from the British government. That's right. So if we would not have had guns, but one of the main key things is they tried to control gunpowder to start with, then they tried to take the guns away from the That's people in this really country. That's when it got crazy. That's when it got crazy. <laughs> and let me tell you, that's when it got crazy. But if we would have allowed, if the people would have laid down their guns to the British government, America would have never existed. And if we lay down our guns again, the our Union freedom. Jack would be overall your government well, what should That's be setting exactly off right. alarms in people's heads is just how tenaciously the left have been attacking the second amendment for about the past three generations yes. like second amendment wasn't a problem until i, I guess like 50 years ago well, and all of a sudden well, like I no mean, we got to get rid of the guns well, the, and war the, the war on alcohol the war on alcohol was, was probably one, one of the bigger yeah. the, big, the biggest pushes i think the biggest um, push was because yeah. we, we've got people in the government that decided well alcohol was something we shouldn't be allowed to purchase. Right. And and then that led to I think one of the first gun control acts mm. when when that um when alcohol, the war on alcohol just didn't work out. It actually caused yeah. a lot more crime than it was preventing, I think, in many cases. And so then that was justification for for one of the first gun control acts. Getting rid of Tommy gun. You didn't buy it from a Sealers catalog anymore. <laughs> and, and so so then that was justification. Then they got rid of the, then they got rid of the war on alcohol, and and now nobody dies from alcohol anymore, so, except for people who just drink themselves to death and drive cars. Right. There's that. But, it's but, against but the you, law. But you, don't, but you don't have people going to you don't have car, alcohol cartels where they're murdering right, yeah. each other over that. And you hardly ever hear people getting poisoned from 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 drinking alcohol that was improperly made. And, and, Unless you go to the Dominican Republic, maybe so. But, but I mean, here in here in yeah. the U.S. And so the, but now we're seeing almost identical situations with the war on drugs. The, the government's using that as justification to um, to to take guns away even more to to further that. Was a Trojan to, horse to yeah. to um, to control banking to monitor our banking transactions yeah. and wherever else. And so th- this these the war on alcohol and now the war on drugs is being used in many cases as a as a, a justification for um, taking our rights away. And I think that's one of those things that conservatives need to wake up and open their eyes and say and, and realize that that, that 
no, the, these these government overreaches are not justifications to further erode our rights. And they never quit. They have been attacking the Second Amendment pretty much my entire life since I've been alive. It's been all about gun control, gun control, gun control. And they're not stopping. They really, really want to take the Second Amendment away from us. And they aren't quitting. They aren't they're talking up. about it now. And they've been doing it all my whole life. They are talking about getting rid of the Second Amendment. Can they do it? I don't believe so. Maybe a hundred years down the road, I don't know. But now it's not going to happen because you got to have, you know, a two-thirds vote from every house to put the amendment up. It goes to the states. They've got to well put enough Soros candidates, install them in enough red states, turn those red states blue, then they're going to get their two-thirds. But I'm saying it won't happen. It's not going to happen overnight. No, no. not going to. Thank God for that. You know, but just keep in mind what's what's going on. You got to kind of. Connect the dots as we're going along. You got twenty seconds. With them controlling the school system and indoctrinating the children, we don't have much time left if we don't take it back. Well, I agree with that. If you can convince parents and kids that a boy can be a girl and a girl can be a boy, then you can convince them to give up their guns. I'm sure. All right, let's get uh, to uh, Bill O'Reilly here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, don't forget about East End Towing. They will take care of you if you find yourself on the side of the road. Remember, whatever the problem, East End Towing can handle it. They've got the answers. They belong to the Arkansas Towing Recovery Board. They're licensed and insured, their tow operation is, and every truck is permitted and has all the standards that they need to have for the state of Arkansas. So you can uh, call East End Towing. Also, they'll take your car where you tell them to take it. They won't take you to an impound lot. 501-888-8849 is their number. 501-888-8849. All right. So we've been talking about guns and all of the offshoots that go along with if you lose your Second Amendment rights. You know, if you lose your Second Amendment rights, you can get you can already count that your freedom of speech rights will be gone. Mm-hmm. Your worship rights will be gone. How are you going to defend them if you don't have your gun rights? The way of, you know, the, the ability to gather and petition and all of that will go away. That's what will happen because you have to understand that the Second Amendment was written specifically by people who had fought against the government for their freedom and didn't want to see tyranny ever come back again. Now, if they came back alive again, our founding fathers... They'd be getting they they would be buying an AR fifteen probably. Just an AR fifteen? You know? I'm just saying. Oh, by the way, this crap that the president says, and I'm going to call it exactly that, it is a hot steaming pile of it, that he said that during the uh, revolutionary times you couldn't have a cannon. Uh, false. All right? Knox, who was the first Secretary of War, which is today our our Secretary of Defense, had two cannons in the front of his house. Yeah. Well, he bought them. Well, well, I, I think I think a lot of private ship owners had cannons on their ships. Because oh, pirates. privateers. Right. Well, privateers are different from uh, privateers are privately owned, but 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 just just private ship owners because they were pirates. Yeah, I, I think you would in many cases would have had cannons to fight off either privateers or fight off. If I had pirates. a few million dollars, well, several million dollars, I'd I'd live like John Travolta. In a house that's on the side of a runway, and I'd have, a, you know, an F-29. <laughs> well, you know, I'd be able to, well, hey, that's what the Second Amendment's all about. I agree. Being that, able, to meet, you, you be sh- able to meet the government. You should be able to, to have all manner of weaponry. 
It's, that, that's the nature of it. Shall not be infringed. Free people don't have to ask permission from the government to have or weaponry. Buy, or, look, you can't have it unless you buy a license. Well, look at this. Right. Right. So, uh, 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 we'll if you have to have a license for something, we'll sell you a license right. if you have to have a license one for anything, automatic that, mean, that means the activity is illegal. If you have to get a license for it, that means the activity is illegal. And, and, it's, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a violation of anyone's rights to make them get a license to do something that is inherently good or that is inherently well, it's an acceptable. Inter- when it's inherently a right, sure. a right means... It's a right. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Is you're, you're invoking the, the founding fathers, right? Yeah. But li- look at the narrative they've been pushing for the past four years, especially with Black Lives Matter. The founding fathers were racist. Are you invoking the, the philosophies of racists? Yeah. They're tearing down statues of Thomas Jefferson. The Washington Post said that the wa- that Washington University should change its name because Washington was racist. That That's how <laughs> blindsided they are. But now that but that's part of the narrative. It's calculated. Take down the founding fathers so that if you say anything positive about them, oh, well, then you must share their same racist ideals, you racist. So are they, are they ready to take down go. FDR and, and all these others as well? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I sure, know, you I'm, I'm, so. I'm sure FDR was pretty awful. FDR off. really liked Birth of a Nation. He screened it in the White House. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about the people that, that voted in the Second Amendment. So that, so there you're tearing. I like the word you use, calculated. Everything it that is, is being calculated. done is calculated. It's, that was a good word. Step-by-step step process. I, I'm going to hang on that. That's what they're <laughs> looking for. And let me tell the people out there, if you let them brand something an assault rifle, like one gun and assault rifle, Bible. Let By me tell way, you something. Do you know who all, came up with the term assault rifle? Who's that? Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you, all guns are assault. They, they, they are can, assault they weapons, be, or it could be a stick, or whatever or, it might be. Yeah, but the I reality, got an assault knife. But the reality is that we should be allowed to own all manner of military weaponry, assault or otherwise. I mean, <laughs> well, what's scary? I mean, people are are attacking the NRA. That they're always the whipping boy of these things. The NRA. The NRA is the group that promotes gun safety and awareness of how to treat your gun. They're the ones who actually are promoting a reasonable and responsible NRA, gun ownership. But they always get attacked. Of America. Yeah, there's they, all these groups out there that are. You and know, they're always the first ones to get attacked whenever there's a shooting. Like, the NRA is not the one supporting the, the shooting, the mass shooting or anything that happened. The, the criminals who do it, they're the ones who are promoting the opposite. They're yeah. the ones who are promoting taking care of your guns and knowing how dangerous they are, not using them for criminal acts. All right. That brings us up to this point of the conversation, and that is, is the reason why so many people are using guns in the street because our country is so amoral now and doesn't do anything to these people no. you know i'm listening them to when they talk about mental health and they say we got to put more mon- money behind mental health are we talking about really helping people or are we just going to give them another excuse to act i mean look they don't they don't even say that uh, people who are uh, you know i don't know how let's just say 20 and then suddenly they say, well, I'm really not a boy. I feel like a girl. And they change. And we and they, they, they think that they are because they think that way. And my question is, is that person serious or do they are they mentally unhinged? I mean, if I had a friend that came up and said, hey, Dave, I got to tell you, man, I feel like a girl. I feel like a gorilla. You're not going to give now, bananas. Am I? Yeah, that's my. I've you've right. heard me do right. this you're, before. You're, you're not going to do reinforce I, it. How do I help him? Do so I help him by so, getting him 
qualified professional help because there's something wrong going on between his ears or do I give him a bunch of bananas? Well, that's the thing, too. Is that it's the, How do you define helping uh, mental illness? They're, you think it's a good idea, but their idea of helping mental illness is to encourage and enable it as a culture. Explain like, oh, that with pedophilia. Oh, that one is sick because right now, if you go onto Twitter or social media and you use the word pedophile, you'll get suspended because they're recategorizing that word as a slur. The proper term is minor attracted person, MAP. And they've been trying to push that, especially on social media. Like if you want to – because it, it sounds – you know, oh, that doesn't sound so bad. Minor attractive person. That's a lot of words. What does that mean? When, or as pedophile, you know exactly what that means. But they're pushing it as a culture now. It's part of the LGBTQ movement. Because they have their own flag. It follows. <laughs> it follows yes. what they've taught us from the beginning. A gay person can't help for being gay because that's the way they were born. A person that thinks that they're a girl can't help that because that's the but way the they were born. Is, it's not but happening per- in the dark. It's part of sure. their. They have. They give them a flag for it, God's yeah. sake. It's and, it's not and, something you know secret. And this this is <laughs> and this they is, celebrate Pride Day. Right, so so we've we've got people that want to deal with the mental health crisis, and they're the ones actually promoting mental health problems. And so we've we've got the the left thinks the, the government needs to address the mental health crisis. And yet, they're the party that's actually coddling mental instability in many cases. I think it's it's it's, it's it really is nuts. We've got we've got people that are supposed to be the intellectuals, and and they're off the rails crazy. There has to be a source of authority. Of yeah, turn on your mic there. Okay. Yeah, there has to be a source of authority of what right and wrong is, and like Dave was saying, there has to be a truth. Or if you don't yeah, have if a you truth, you don't have an absolute truth. You cannot have truth. Moral relativism is just leading to degeneracy. The whole yeah, idea of like, exactly like right. who's, who are you to say what's right or wrong? There's no black or white, only shades of gray. And that just leads to stuff like this. I will right. tell you what you will drive, that I will, you will get an immediate and ugly response from me, is to look at me and say, my truth. Oh, that's the <laughs> if you say my load. truth to me, get ready. <laughs> Because I'm going to go off. I really am going well, to go like off. like you. Anybody ask, like, what does cisgenderism mean? It means you're normal. <laughs> that's you know, <laughs> that's like, good. Uh, but, you know, you, you can take everything we're talking about back to Proverbs 14.34. Righteousness exhausts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. That's where we're headed. All right. Quarter to, quarter to eight. That means we've got to find out what's going on with tribes. Mark had to make his way out of the studio. He's got to go to work. Imagine that. He actually works. Why does he do that? The government will take care of you, Mark. Anyway, so Dave Ellswick Show. We'll be back in just a moment. Okay, let's continue. We're going to finish it up for today. All right, so let, let's go back and remember uh, some of the things we talked about. We talked a little bit about guns today. And uh, as far as what the president is asking uh, from uh, the uh the legislature, you know, he wants them to make AR-15s illegal, 9 millimeter handguns illegal. I like how he said those two, and then he says, now wait, I'm not out to take all your guns. If you believe that, I'll find some swamp land I can sell you. But the bottom line, that is exactly uh, what he's saying. Now, some Republicans now are starting to bend. Mm-hmm. They're starting to – they need about 10 Republicans in the Senate to get on board with with them. 
Uh, and there's, here's what they're saying. We can't go along with the real wild stuff the president's saying. But we might be able to be talked into uh, going on with federalizing red flag laws. Uh, we might be able to uh, make stricter background checks. And uh, there was one other. And, and I, you know, and w- when they talk about wild ones, they're talking about getting rid of AR-15s and stuff. But there's two or three that they, well, if they're written a certain way, we might be able to get behind them. That's the first way to lose your rights. It's let the camel get his nose under the tent. And before long, the camel will be standing in next to you, eating your food. Off your and, plate. Uh, yeah, off your plate, basically. And you won't have that right. It will be well, gone. At some point, the camel drives you out of the tent. And, uh, yeah, and so that, that's the problem is that we, we, we need people to be principled. We need... Republicans actually have a spine. They need to have principles. They need. To, they need to. We need Republicans who truly believe in the Second Amendment. Right. And this is not about. Well, you have the right to keep some weapons, but just not. We can infringe some, and that's okay. But th- that's the problem: is that any infringement is a, is a full abolition of this of the right to keep and bear arms. It is. And, it is a and, full and people, abol. And then people say to me, "Well, then if we got rid of the guns, that Uvalde wouldn't happen." Number one. There's like 400 million guns in the United States. You don't have to get well, rid of all of them. Re- wait, wait, let me finish here, all right? And the other thing is, is when you're talking about something like Uvalde, it would have been over with if the police had gone on in and taken out the shooter. Sure. They waited 90 minutes. It was a long time, from what I understand. That's, that's and, crazy. And, and Ed Monk, who I'll have on again tomorrow to talk about some of this again, in the first five minutes, I think is what he said, the shooter is going to shoot somebody and probably kill somebody every 10 seconds. All right, that's six a minute. You wait five minutes, that's 30 people. All right, 30 human beings getting shot. And we just talked about uh, D-Day today and about storming the beaches. If you're a cop, and I love what you guys do, but you cannot stand outside a building. You've got to have the moral fortitude of somebody that would storm a beach against the Nazis and do that at a school or another building that somebody is just murdering people well, when, at. When, when you have helped to disarm the public in some of these places and then you sit back and you refuse to go in and stop someone from murdering them, you know, how is that not? How, is, how does that not make you a com- an accomplice to their murder? How does that not make you we might find partly that, guilty? We may find find that out down in Uvalde. There's well, a lot yet to happen there. Go with, with all the investigations that goes on after a shooting, I'm afraid that uh, our police officers go, come under attack anytime they do mm-hmm. anything. So they're they're weighing the liability and if they're going to lose their career if they're going to jail or not before they do anything so the attack that the police officers have been under every time they do something is is starts going into their reasoning whenever they do something but i agree with you when you sign up for the job just like a firefighter you know you're when everybody's going the other way you're going the the opposite that's it what would happen in the military if, if there was an attack and soldiers just huddled behind a bridge somewhere while while their compound was being 
rated by one man it's happened for crying out loud dude it's happened i'm sure it has and and what are those what happens to those guys who stand back and just be cowards well they get court-martialed well used to be they would get court-martialed or even worse than that they put them up in front of a wall and they shot them sure and that's that's the thing is that you know if 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 Police officers, but that was the right punishment. There's no liability usually uh, in what we're talking about in doing nothing. But there, and a lot of times in life, if you do nothing, you will have no liability. But if you do something, then you're held liable. Look at all of the crime. Do nothing, you'll get more of it. That's exactly what you're going to get. So, so maybe the solution is. We double their salaries and fire a bunch of the bad, the 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 the, the dead weight. We support them when they they do right. something. And yeah, then you got to support them. And then hold I them support, accountable. I support them, and we've talked to this point early, and that is, a police officer going into a building is armored, well above what one of those young men were on D Day that stormed Omaha Beach. Yeah, they had a cotton shirt. Yeah, truth. You know, when we talked about judges, I brought up Chris Carnahan and the importance of that race. But now we're talking about supporting police officers. There is a sheriff's race in Pulaski County, and this has everything to do. Yes, sir. Uh, Paul Keller, it is important. So elections have repercussions, so we need to be doing our part. If you like the way that the uh, Pulaski County... Um, jail is run put the dude that's in there back in if you don't then i suggest that you vote for blue keller how about backing up somebody that's trying to run over him with a stolen car i mean and how could they if they run over him how many other people are they going to go hurt i mean someone tried to eliminate a threat to society and then got fired for it how about that kid out in la that ran over the lady pushing the uh, stroller didn't kill the woman didn't kill the baby but hit another car head on as he was trying to run away mm-hmm. and and going back about the soros candidates for prosecutors he got five months at a camp five months at a camp for killing he didn't killed kill him some. didn't kill him so he, well, had, he killed the second people though didn't no he? no okay but he, he hit somebody he head on back. but he was on parole for putting something in a young girl's drink that almost killed her. He poisoned her. I mean, this well, is what I'm talking about. At some point, when someone has demonstrated that they are too evil and too dangerous to be trusted with their liberty, why aren't they in the graveyard? Yeah, well. I mean, why are they still walking around taking up good air because, and risking the rest of us? Because Americans, to their fault— they are compassionate to a fault, and that's well, wrong. And, and, current administration. And, and at some point, we need to stop, we need to stop right. calling it compassion. We need to call it um, brutality. What it is, it's stupidity. It's stupidity, but, it, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, at some point, it's not compassion to just allow criminals to run roughshod over good people. That's not compassionate. No, it's not compassionate to it, the it, law abider. Well, no, it's, it's, it actually makes you an accomplice on some level. We talked about this. Remember I said that what's happening right now, I lived through it already. Okay, I've lived through this back in the 70s with, with Jimmy Carter and the Democrats, and that's what spawned, and I always tell you, cultures upstream, okay, from politics. That's why movies like Dirty Harry, and I got, you know, we got Clint Eastwood in here with his 44 Magnum, 
You feel you feel lucky today, punk? Well, do you? You think and a nine millimeter? How about how about uh, how about uh, Death Wish? Another example, because then, as it is now, they cared more about the criminal than they did about the victims, and finally, people got freaking tired of it and that's what's happening now people are getting tired of it we're going to see a huge swing on this i i promise you go to here you're going to see a, a huge oh, and, swing and I, I think that was one of those things like like in the the rittenhouse case if they had found him guilty when he have defended himself what would that have done what would that have what, what kind of precedent would that have set for criminals to run roughshod over people who were just defending private property final final statement go ahead you had something hey all you tell people is to do the right thing and if you want to give biden your nine millimeters don't think he's not going to come back for your 44 magnums and or your, your 38 or, or whatever or, or, or your 30 30 deer rifle or your or your 12 gauge shotgun they want them all yep i agree with that wholeheartedly you may just end up with a slingshot and a pocket knife paul thank you for coming knife. Yes, sir. Mark, if you're listening, thanks for coming in today. R.D., thank you for coming in. Don't forget, I'll be back at 9 o'clock. I know, we're taking an hour off, and I come back at 9 o'clock. Anyway, we're going to talk to Kim uh, uh, Richardson, and she's going to tell you about genealogy. A lot of people are interested in this, and I thought I'd do a show on it. I'm kind of interested in it. I want to find out some more things about my my ancestors. We'll do it in the 9 o'clock hour of the Dave Ellswick Show. Let's get to it here into the 9 o'clock hour. And, you know, 9 o'clock hour, I talk to you just about anything. I mean, Ed Monk will be on tomorrow. So we'll talk anything here on the Dave Ellswick Show. He's going to talk about guns. What a big surprise, huh? He's in the studio. I just let him know that the guest that I got on today is because of Ed Monk. Is because I know that she does genealogy. And she was going to be here in the area. And I said, do you want to ask her if she'd be, you know, like to do this? And he came back, yes! That's <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk about it, because it's a big deal. I mean, it is. It's a big deal. A lot of people get into it. So, Kim, let me ask you, uh, how did you get in it first? And secondly, did you send your blood in to find out, you know, from what countries you supposedly came from? Yeah, so my grandmother, my paternal grandmother, talked about our family, talked about her aunts and uncles and cousins, and um, really sort of got me interested in family stories at a young age. And then my grand aunt on my maternal side 
um, wondered what happened to her half-uncle, who was missing in action in World War II. Oh, wow. And um, so I, I started on that track of research for her and was able to solve that mystery, and it just, I was hooked. That was it. I was done. I so was you hooked. found him. I found him. Was it a good story or a bad story? Um, he he was crossing the Blythe River, river um, and their uh, company was ill-equipped to do so, oh. and um, he died crossing oh. the river. Um, but they never knew what happened to him. They received a telegram at Christmas time that year, 1944. Never found out what happened to him. And so he was said, always MIA. He was always MIA, and to them. The government found out what happened to him and, and didn't notify. Maybe they didn't want to tell people. Maybe not. Because they weren't prepared for crossing the river. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that kind of got me started. And I have done, I have submitted my DNA. I have since changed my opinion about that a little bit. And I strongly caution people to really consider the ramifications of that. Um, I've gotten a lot of phone calls, um, a lot of concern when people submit DNA and they say, oh, I have a surprise. DNA doesn't lie. Mm -hmm. And there are secrets in every family. And, uh, you know, it, it, you can't undo it once you've submitted it and seen what the results are. So unless you know that you know that you know that you're prepared for any inevitability, don't submit your DNA. Don't do it just for fun to find out if, right. you're, you know, if you're Irish or German or something like that. Don't do it for that. Yeah, I, I feel pretty confident in that. My, uh, my wife's name, uh, her family name was Jaeger. And that's pure German. And so their family did come from Germany. She knew about that. And then my dad, it's Ellswick. Well, we know that we're Saxon and from from uh, over in Britain. Now, I don't know. From the time we got here to the time that my dad ended up in Charleston, West Virginia, my mom ended up in, in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, who knows who married whom and, and had children and all of that. I don't know. My my whole thing is, and I like what you, you're saying, I'm getting interested because of the Saxon side. Because in Newcastle, in the middle of Newcastle, there's a small town called Ellswick. And it is my family's town. So I'm interested in seeing that. And I got interested even more so when I was reading about Paul McCartney. And he was talking about meeting John Lennon. And he met him at a friend's house on Ellswick Street. So evidently, the Ellswicks had something going for them at one time. And, you know, maybe I got some long-lost money over there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> over there. Look, there was a lot. There's the Ellswick Gunpowder Factory, Ellswick Shipworks, Ellswick Bicycles. I can go on and on about this. So I want to get over there. And I've never, I've never gone to England, and I want to go to England. So that's something I'm shooting for next year for my vacation. I will forego Florida and go to England. And, and that's doing something because the difference in weather between England and Florida is night and day. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yes. Will. so anyway, I've always wanted to do it, but I'm intimidated by it. Do most people get intimidated about genealogy? They do. I, I think a lot of people start down this track and they think, oh, I'm just going to click around and all the answers will be right there online. Mm -hmm. And it does not work that way. There, genealogy is um, it's fun. 
you can click around a good bit and find a lot of information, but once you start to get into it, um, it gets complicated quickly, and there's a lot of data to remember, and I think people get overwhelmed in that process as well. Um, yeah, definitely. Okay, so let's just start with common problems. All right. Oh, by the way, if you got a question, uh, 501-823-0965. 501-823-0965. And she'd be happy to answer any question that you might have. Go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, we have so many problems that I sort of started tracking that, um, tracking the the way that people feel about genealogy and, and what their challenges are. And what I hear most often is I'm stuck and I can't get unstuck just by using the computer. Uh, I feel overwhelmed. I feel con- confused. I can't remember everything all at one time. And the biggest thing is I, I'm not sure maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I haven't done all the research I need to do. And that's absolutely understandable. We have a lot of missing records. You know, you think about the the time of this country, and not all records have survived, particularly in the South. In Arkansas alone, over 40 counties, or what we call burned counties, Mm -hmm. where there are records missing from the local courthouse for whatever reason, tornadoes, fires, the Civil War, things like that. Um, And so in that situation, you, you have to find workarounds. And I think it's in the finding of the workarounds that the intimidation really starts to to bear merit. Um, because if you don't know all the records or you don't know how to do that workaround, it can be somewhat confusing. Um, you really have to know the records to be able to plan to, to, okay, what's out there? What can I use instead of what I actually need to find and you know I, people don't know how to analyze the research we we get on we get on uh, these big websites and we think okay i'm just going to click i'm going to find the answer but that's not it you have genealogy requires a lot of deep thinking a lot of analysis you really have to put pieces of a puzzle together and if you aren't experienced in that it can definitely be overwhelming and i think today our biggest challenge is dare I say, using the computer for genealogy. Now, okay. Hear, hear me out. Hear me out. Okay. I feel like people are going to throw rocks, so hear me out. No, they won't do it. You know, I, years ago, we would think about the record we needed for a period of time. We would go get in our car. We would drive to the courthouse. The whole way, we're thinking what I'm going to go look up, what I'm going to go find. We would get in there, pull the record out, hold it in our hand. Copies were expensive, mm-hmm. right? And you, there were no cell phones or cameras that you could take pictures with. So uh, we were conservative when we hand wrote that record over again, which is a form of study. And then on the way home, we're thinking about it and how that applies to our research. And we get back in the house and get our folder out and compile that into our records and mesh it together. And we're, we're spending all this time thinking, all this time hands on. And now I can get on the computer, and in a minute I can click my way through thirty records like that. It's there's no there's no thinking required to collect records anymore. Right. And that's that's the challenge that we have. That is what I believe causes people to feel lost, um, and what causes them to really just become a passive reader of data on the computer versus an active thinker and an active user 
of the information that's out there. We probably have the answer to our, our genealogy problem somewhere, but we just don't realize it because we're not taking the time to sit down and think about it. Yeah, and, and my whole thing is I don't know squat about the Ellswicks. I'm going to be honest. Right. But I don't. I know what my dad's name is, and I know what one of my aunt's names was. I don't know what my grandmother's name was. My grandfather left the family and, and took off. My, my dad went into the coal mines at nine years old. And I don't know how to get that other information and where do I find it and and you know it sound to me it sounds like an it sounds like a big mountain that I got to climb right. to be able to find it and I don't have I got not that I don't have that much time as it is now you know I'm going to have something else to take my time up with sure absolutely and I, I think a lot of people are in that same situation and until you have two or three pieces of data to start to analyze and correlate you really let's say you find a record that has your dad's name on it how yeah. do you know that's his record until you have something to compare it to and to begin to analyze and really correlate that information all right we're going to talk for the hour on this if you have questions because i know a lot of you are into this and in the south people are really into this i i I think out west, even, they're into it. East Coast, I, I don't know. They're weird anyway. But anyway, I don't think that they're into it like the southern people are and the, and the people out west. So we're going to talk more about this. If you got a question, again, feel free to call 501-865-0965-823. Uh, uh, See? Got too much stuff in my brain. All right, 501-823-0965. Let's take our first break, and then we'll be back with more. Kim's going to be with us the whole hour again. I'm going to give you websites and all kinds of stuff, so get a pen ready as well. And uh, she's got some ways for you to work this whole genealogy thing as well. I want her to talk about that as as uh, as well for you. Hey, don't forget about PI Roofing. What a great time to talk about them since it's raining the way it is right now. Uh, if you got If you find out you got a leak, you call PI Roofing. They go by the roof leak detectors. Uh, long story short, uh, Joel Johnson, the owner of PI Roofing, decided to start his own roofing company because he'd been working for other people, didn't like the way they did business, so he decided he would do it his way. And uh, to get started, what he did is he would drive through subdivisions. And uh, if you're a good roofing guy, you can look up at the, the roofs and you can tell the ones that got problems. So he would stop in and talk to the owners of those roofs. Said, you got some leaks? Yeah. You want me to find them? Can you? Yes. Can you fix them? Yes. And that's how it all started. And he's built himself up into a, a big company now. He's got a lot of people to work for him. Uh, nobody's worked on my roof except PI Roofing because they're, as far as I'm concerned, the professionals and they're people you can trust. First roof I had put on by them, something went wrong with the felt. And it looked like I had waves in uh, in my roof. And I, I called uh, PI Roofing back and I said, hey, I got this problem. They were out the next day. They took all the shingles off. They tore all the felt off. They put new felt on. They put new shingles on. Didn't cost me a penny. They stand behind their work. So call them if you need them, all right? That's just the way. It's kind of like smoke them if you have them. Call them if you need them, uh, 501-707-3551, or visit them online, piroofing.com. All right, we continue. We're talking genealogy this hour. And, uh, you know, Kim is with us. Richardson, right? I get that right? 
And why don't you tell them you've got a website and uh, people can go and follow up on some of the things you're going to talk about. Do you, do you, have you written books? I have not. Okay, you got to write a book. <laughs> you need to write a book. You know, you don't. You got you got plenty of time to do that. So come on, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's write. Let's write a book. Okay, so tell them a little bit about your website. Um. So so I have um I, a research. Uh, consulting website. Okay. Um, and um, you can go there and look at the services that I provide as far as research goes. I, I can do genealogy coaching if you want to do your own genealogy research but need a little help, need a little coaching. Right. Um, I can evaluate your research, do family legend verification for you, um, do family history for you. Oh, wow. Just you do all the fun. good stuff. I do. I Maybe do I need all to start with stuff. you. All the fun stuff. All I need the fun to start stuff. with you and find out, well, who was my granddad? Right, That'd right. That'd be kind of cool. I kind of like to find out, although he was a no-good scum bucket, but that's okay. That's okay. And find hey. out. Is is uh, Salt Lake City really as big as they say with the Mormon church because they got so many records? It is. That's the hub. That's the... Really? Yes. They, they provide so much access to so many records, um, and... Those records coming online, the microfilm being digitized, they've done a concerted effort to digitize their microfilm and put it out there available for everybody. They don't charge for that. That's amazing It's to me. incredible. I can sit in my house, in my pajamas, at 1 o'clock in the morning and look at courthouse records clear across the country at any wow. time I want to. It, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, that's, very, that's very cool. Okay, so let's just say I want to find out who my granddad was how do i start i mean i i don't have a clue i i know he was in charleston west virginia but i don't know his name my dad never talked about him my dad probably wasn't too happy with him his mother had cancer he had two sisters and his dad walked out on him okay so the first thing that you do is write all that down okay you write down all the names the dates the places that you do know that you can remember and all of those small clues because those could come back into play a little bit later when you're trying to decide do you have the right person or not Um, for example if you find an obituary and it says succumb to cancer then that would be an aha okay i've got the right person uh, moment. Um, so you want to write down all the clues, all the names, all of the data that you can, and then just start looking. Start okay. doing. Start Look doing where? searches. Well, um, the, how's that one? For right. You? Yeah. So <laughs> the major websites that are out there, um, we have. There's paid subscriptions where you can go online and use genealogy records. Um, the uh, family uh, search is the one that we just discussed okay. out of Salt Lake City, and uh, they do not charge for that. Um, but you just go out there and start searching. Put in names. See if you can make something click, if you can make something fit. Um, okay. And then you're going to start correlating the the data that you do find to, to make sure that you have the right person. You're going to do a lot of collecting of data that you <coughs> may or may not know is your person. Okay. And then it comes down to being able to put the puzzle pieces together, just yep. like a jigsaw puzzle. Okay. And making the things fit. Do you hear great stories about people who start and then all of a sudden they hit that aha moment? Sure. Yeah, all the time. That's the joy of genealogy. That is, that's it for me anyway, and, and I, I know a lot of my colleagues feel the same way, is that you start out with a, 
seemingly impossible problem, which we call brick walls, um, a, a really tough genealogy problem we call brick walls. And, and starting out with a brick wall problem and then you're able to solve it, there's, there's nothing better. It's, it's great. Now, my brother was into this some, and maybe I need to, and he, he passed away a couple of years ago. I need to find out what he had, and I don't know if I, you know, his, his, ex, his ex-wife, his, his uh, wife is still alive. I, maybe I should say, do you still have that material? And then I could kind of look at it, and it would help me out a little bit. Absolutely. I would try to get it. I would try to at least get a copy of it and see. There's no need to duplicate efforts if he already did that. Um, and in that same situation, I highly recommend that people leave a sort of genealogical will where they say, this is what I want to happen with oh, my genealogy that's research. Cool. That makes sense. That's it's probably that's kind of like it doesn't have a, a price on it. It could be priceless. Right. At least to your family. Sure. Absolutely. To find that yeah. out. It, okay. So you, you, you told me why you got into this. We talked about one problem people f- uh, fall into, you know, using the computer. But another one I got to believe is the same one that I had, which is I don't have a clue. And I look at this mountain in front of me. And I got to say, can I climb this mountain? Sure. Yeah. You know, that's such a common problem. And that's that's such a um, it is such a difficult problem that we all have that everybody faces at one point in time, because either you've got tons of information on the computer or you've got tons of information in your files. And you're like, what do I do with all this? What how do I even sort through this? And so. Um, I spent a lot of time coaching people. I do a lot of presentations. I do a lot of teaching. And I, I was spending so much time coaching people that I actually developed um, a, a tool to help people with that. Really? Yeah. Um, and so what it does is it walks you through the research process, beginning to end, beginners to advanced on any level. Um, I tried to take everybody into consideration, and I really studied the problems that were brought to me um, You know, when people had a brick wall problem or when they just didn't even know what they were doing. Um, but I... The system teaches people how to simplify and organize their research instead of flipping paper to paper and computer screen to computer screen and forgetting all the facts before you get through them. My problem is I can't remember all the information in my head long enough to work through the problem. And I found that other people had that that same issue. Um, And I try to teach people to really laser focus in on their research problem. Um, and and solve one question at a time instead of, hey, let's just go do a bunch of genealogy research. But I took all of that, all of those problems, all of the methods, all of everything, and put it into this kit um, that you can use at home. It's super easy to use. Uh, It's an all-in-one research method in a box, honestly. I'm going to make you hold. Okay. Because we got to get to the news. After the news, then we're going to come back and, and talk further with Kim. If you got a question, it's uh, 501-823-0965. I know you're into this stuff, so call now. All right, we continue. Don't forget about uh, my buddy, 
uh, Billy Mack over at ICU Protection. I've, I got a security system through him. Uh, it's about been two months now. And I'm beyond pleased with it. It's great. I got door and window sensors on every window and door in the house. I got two cameras. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I feel a lot safer in my own home uh, than I did before. And they can do this for your businesses as well. Remember that Billy Mac is the uh, security company that uh, takes care of the security at uh, Nuke One over there in Russellville. And if they can protect the nuclear reactor, I figure they can protect my house. Call them, 501-205-1333. 501-205-1333. And Billy Mac can take good care of you. Know that you pay for the service, but not the hardware. They put the hardware in. It is yours to keep. Just got to pay for the service. That is ICU protection. All right, Dave Ellswick Show. Kim Richardson is in the studio with us today. We're talking about genealogy. You got a question for, I'm just telling you, you know, she's the professional here. She can answer what you want. Uh, she's talking a little bit about this kit that she has. I guess that's maybe the proper word for it, that will help you in getting started and uh, help walk you through the whole process. So tell us a little bit more about this. Yeah, so the the kit was developed out of hearing the problems that people were having uh, over and over doing genealogy research. How do I get started? How do I plan my way? What do I look for? What records do I go find? Where, where can I find the answers? And once I've researched, how do I know that my my research was done accurately and oh i now i have a real problem the the records didn't answer my question okay so now what do i do um and and so what i did is i I took the time to sit down and develop a kit that follows the genealogical proof standard which is five components thorough research documenting your sources doing some problem solving or some analysis resolving any conflicts you have and and creating a written conclusion that's the process that that professionals use Um, so I did this so that anybody can do it Um, and so what it is is it's going to be a deck of cards that ask you questions each card will ask you a question and you answer the question that's on that card it will guide you through conducting research and problem solving Um, you're going to simplify your research so you can see everything at one time instead of flipping back and forth between the computer and all these documents and getting yourself confused Um, you'll discover new family connections definitely when you when you start down this process and brainstorm your way to finding that missing information and and to answer that brick wall problem that you have. Um, it also coaches you through all of the top brick wall solving methods that are available in the field. So if you don't know how to solve a brick wall, don't worry. It's in there. It will guide you through it. Um, it's Like I said, it's an all-in-one kit. It's called the Brick Wall Buster Cards Kit. It's available at brickwallbustercards.com. And if you use the code DAVE, D-A-V-E, it'll get you a discount. Okay. That's what you want to get. You definitely want to do that. You know, I, I ran... Ellswick is not a common name. No. I found out that it's less than 1% here in the United States. And uh, I was on the air one day, and a guy called me. <clears throat> and excuse me, because I was talking about my father being from West Virginia and, and whatnot. And he said... Uh, do you know if your father was related to one branch of the Ellswicks? 
because the Ellswicks were thrown out of Kentucky before the uh, bef- the Hatfield and McCoys. It was a Hatfield and Ellswicks, and it was a fight over a pig. Believe it or not, a fight over a pig. When I went to college at Moorhead State University, Moorhead, Kentucky, that's where I went to college at, I, you had to take one semester of Kentucky history. And the professor looked at me and said, Mr. Ellswick, how did you get into this university? The governor of Kentucky said, your family was not welcome in the state of Kentucky. And went into this whole story. I had never even heard of it. My dad had never even heard of it. But uh, this guy calls. His last name spells exactly the same way as I am. He's a, a doctor. At this time, he was over at Children's. And uh, we started communicating. He got a hold of his father, and his father asked me, well, did you ever hear of this person or that person? And I'm, and he said, and you said from West Virginia. And I said, yeah, Charleston, West Virginia. And he was completely sure that we were connected in some way. And then I lost, con- I lost uh, my connection to this guy. So I probably could find him again on, on the Internet over on Facebook because he had a Facebook page. But it's kind of interesting, you know, just I'm interested in my history some. You start hearing, you know, you got thrown out of Kentucky. That's going to spike your interest a little bit. Sure, absolutely. And, I, you know, there's all kinds of family lore stories out there like that and historical stories. And you wonder, am I connected to that group? Um, and I think a lot of times that drives our, our research to some degree and and sort of plots that goal out there for us. Let me see, are we connected to that in some kind of way? Okay. Before I came on the show, I was talking to a person, and they said, yeah, I'd like to really get into that because – I'm Irish, and I think I'm Cherokee. And I said, oh, really? He said, yeah. And I said, well, you need to find out because if you're a certain percentage, you know, you might end up getting some money out of a casino or something. You just never know. And uh, so how would you do that? I mean, how do you find out if there's really Indian blood in you or whatever? You can do a a DNA test. Um, Now, a a DNA test is only going to show you back to your three times great-grandparents. After that time, we sort of lose the DNA. That that particular type of DNA is randomly passed down, and after a certain number of generations, it it just sort of disappears. Um, But there are genealogists in the nation who specialize in Native American research. And really? Yes. So I highly recommend, once you get into an area like that, you don't want just any genealogist working on your problem. Mm-hmm. You need to find somebody who specializes in Native American research. And if you go to the Association of Professional Genealogists website, just Google Association of Professional Genealogists, you'll find them. You can search on there by specialty or by location for a genealogist to help you with that. Okay, so how do you know? They're a good genealogist or not a good genealogist. Right. So you could just hang a sign out and say, hey, I'm a genealogist. Yeah, right. Um, so what you want to do is look and see how much experience they have, what um, sort of classes they have taken, how have they educated themselves, um, are they uh, involved in the community, and you should be able to tell that somewhat by the websites. But I also recommend that you – print out a list of those you think could help you 
and start calling them and interviewing them and asking them tough questions. You know, how do I know that you're going to be able to help me? What is your expertise in this area? How much, how many times have you worked on this similar type problem? And just grill them. And, and if, if they're tried and true, they're going to hold up under that. Okay, so what would you say would be the, I don't know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to make a ballpark figure here. What would something like that cost you? It varies incredibly in the genealogy field. Some genealogists charge $35 an hour. Some charge $600 an hour. Yeah, it's a big, there's a big, big gap in what people charge. Um, And so that's another reason that I say really interview people and look and see, because that may come down to if you've got two people who have similar experience, both have good reputation, there's no difference except for the money, then that might be the difference for you. Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I mean, if... If they know as much as the other person, you're going to go with the $35 before you go with the 600 Right. And maybe you just want to start with $35 to see what they come up with. You could, um, but I, I would not let that be a driving factor for me. Okay. Um, I, I, look, I, I want that experience there first. I want to make sure that they're solid, that they know what they're doing, that they have the professional backing um, before you make that decision. I mean, that's how you put together this brick wall thing. Sure, right. right. Yeah, I've got, how I've many got years? the experience. Um, 15, 20, something like that. Okay, yeah. yeah. you got a lot of experience. you got a lot of things to work with. All right, let's get our final break in, and then we'll come back and finish up our interview with Kim here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I'll give you that uh, a couple of the websites and how to get in touch with her and uh, all the different things that she does. And then uh, we'll just talk a little bit more about genealogy and some of the things that just common questions that people have when we return here on 1011 FM, The Answer. All right, Kim Richardson is with us. If you just joined us, we're talking about genealogy. Uh, You can go back. We'll be putting this on uh, my Facebook page, uh, Facebook slash Dave Ellswick Show, and uh, you can listen to it from the very beginning uh, of this uh, 9 o'clock hour and hear everything that she has to say. And you can pause it, write down information as you're going along and things that, of that nature, like this important question. And that is, when do you know you need to get a professional involved in your search? That's a very common question that I am asked frequently. Um, there's, there's two answers. One is, if you don't want to tackle it yourself, then at the very beginning would be a great time to, to hire a genealogist. I'm already thinking about talking to Kim when I get off the air about that. So anyway, go ahead. Yep. And then the other thing is, is if you've tackled it yourself and you've done all the research that you know to do and you're either confused or you haven't found the answer and you need to know where else to look, that would be a great time to start deciding to hire a genealogist um, instead of spinning your wheels. Um, And so how you want to do that is you need to think about what specific question you want answered. Don't call a genealogist and say, I want to hire you to do all my family research. That's too big a problem. It's too many hours. It's it's too much. It's overwhelming for us to deal with a, a question like that. What you want to do is be very specific. You want to say, I'd like to know when my grandmother was born, or I would like to know who my grandmother married, or something like that. 
I'd like to know who my grandfather was. Yes, absolutely. That's it. Who, right. who was my grandfather on my mom's side or my dad's side? Here's, okay. here's my parents' name. Who, who, who was their parent? Um, and then ask your prospective researcher, do you have experience in dealing with that type of question? And what is your experience? Um, and you want to find out how often do they update the client? What is their end product going to be? Because I think that's a huge expectation. Mm-hmm. You know, are you going to send me a paper report? Are you going to send it to me electronically? How, how is this end product going to come to me? Um, but in doing that, you also want to make sure that you find somebody who will offer you a free consultation. To me, that's very important. I can't know that I can help you until I sit down and talk to you. And I should not charge you to find out if I can help you or not. And so uh, look for a genealogist who's going to do a free consultation for you to see if they can help you. And um, you know, make sure that your research is organized for that genealogist so that they don't have to duplicate your efforts. That's going to save you money as well okay all right that sounds good to me here's a here's a kind of it goes along with genealogy but it's not really genealogy uh coat of arms yes how do you how do you know because i look i've gone on the internet and and looked up the Ellswick coat of arms and they all look similar but they're all not the same so which one do you know is the right one so that's gonna. There's a specialist out there in genealogy okay. who does, who, in, in genealogy who does uh, heraldy, and and that's the heraldic research. That's what you want to find if you're interested in that. Um, it is a very very specialized area. Um, you're gonna have to research your family back until they have the right to use that coat of arms, uh-huh. and then find out which one is is for your family because i'd like to find that out i'd like to have it printed up i'd like to frame it and hang it in my house sure like yeah. i said i know i know my father's side is you know 100 percent english they're saxons they're the people responsible for the start of england with alfred and all the rest of them so and fighting the vikings off and and all of that so yeah i'd kind of be interested in that i'm a big history kind of person so i'd be interested in that to know that my family was part and parcel of that because they were farmers i do know that much so uh, with that in mind but most of the people in england were farmers right or animal husbandry of some kind that was what they did so i'm because back then, the people who were hanging out doing all that stuff, the king would say, hey, I need an army. And uh, you either got hired or you got told. What <laughs> or the other? You got involved somehow. Right. Yeah. Put down your pitchfork, pick up your sword, and let's go. Yeah. Let's go <laughs> do this and, and get it done because these people are trying to take your land from you, basically. So anyway, uh, I, I just find this really, really, really interesting. So let's start going back and and repeating a couple of things one for the folks that want to get a hold of you and they want to talk to you about helping them how do they get a hold of you they can google southern heritage genealogy and you'll find me okay Uh, yeah that's the easiest way to do it i'm all about easy so just google southern heritage genealogy that'll that should put you in touch with my website which is southernheritagegenealogy.com and you can send me a message from there Okay, you did a good job promoting yourself for the show today. Thank I you. saw all the stuff on the Facebooks and stuff, so a good job on, on that. Uh, so you do that, and again, 
You're going to give them a free consultation, basically. Absolutely. I want to talk to you. I want to know what you're, uh, what you've done, what research you've done. I want to know your time frame that you're researching, who you're researching, and what you want to know about them. Yeah, and then, do you have realistic expectations? Exactly. Okay, so you know, sometimes that can be a problem. All right, with that, then you've got this. Uh, was it road blockers or wall blockers or whatever? <laughs> it's, it's called brick wall buster oh, brick cards. Walls, well, yeah, brick wall. A brick wall is a tough genealogy problem, and we want to bust those. So it's brickwallbustercards.com. It's an all-in-one genealogy kit. It's going to walk you through research start to finish and teach you how to break down those brick walls and solve your toughest genealogy problems. This is cool. I, I'm, you're getting me interested in this. Again, how much time do I need seriously do I, am I going to have to put into this to get it done? It's going to take you a good while. Okay. But it's okay because once you start doing it, you're going to catch the bug, and then that's what you're going to want to do, and that's how you're going to want to spend your free time. So Instead of binging Netflix, right. I, I want to sit in front of a computer and look for answers. Yes. Okay. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. What, what's important, that's where your heart's going to be. That's very you know, true. Easy to easy to understand that all right so kim i'm I'm just really thrilled that you you talked about this because i know dozens of people that are into this yeah it's a big you know look i'm not into it i'm kind of lean in that way but i'm i i don't know if do i do i really want to take a you know do i want to jump into the deep end of the pool so to speak now's a great time it's a big industry. There's so much available now that, that wasn't available even 10 years ago. It's grown exponentially, and it's only going to get better. We're only getting more and more. All right. This is interesting. I, I want to find out about the Ellswicks. I think the Heraldy thing I, I really want to get into. Now, I'm going to have to have some information to be able to figure out which coat of arms. that. Because, like I said, I've seen four different types. Right. Now, they all share similar things, but some are got more than others. So I'm just, like I said, I, I get interested when I, and I'm going over to England, hopefully next year. I really want to do that. And my wife is putting up with my craziness and uh, wants to go as well. After she heard some of the stories I told her that I had learned, want to go, my daughter she and her husband are going to Ireland and England next year, and she's going to stop in Newcastle while she's doing it as well, because we all know about Ellswick. I mean, you can go on, you can Google Ellswick, England, and you'll see all about it. It's and, really interesting. And you're going to get to walk where your people walked. Yeah, that's the chill bump. I'm into part that stuff. I, I, I talk about that's why I get excited about going to historical sites it's one of the reasons i want to go to israel i want to walk through the gate that christ walked and those gates are still there the original stone you know there's something about being a walk exactly where somebody else walked that has something i like going to philadelphia there's a church that's right there by constitution hall it's where washington and where franklin and rutherford and others uh, went to church and it's the original brick in it and they got the original places that they sat. I mean, they got placards that this is where Washington sat, or as we can ascertain on it. And then you go out in the courtyard, and there's Benjamin Franklin's grave. Yeah, that's. I get chill pumps when I think about Absolutely. that. Absolutely, I do too. 
I mean, I, I just find that really, really interesting. So, again, give them where they get the, the, the cards at and then give them where they get a hold of you at. Okay. The cards are Brickwall Buster Cards. So, very creatively, it's www.brickwallbustercards.com. Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> and, uh, Make it easy. And then if you need help researching or coaching or you want presentations done to a genealogy group, you can find me at southernheritagegenealogy.com. There you got it. Kim, thanks for coming in. We're going to invite you back when you're back in the area. And uh, you're always welcome here to the Dave Ellswick Show. Yeah, thank like you that. for having me. And Ed's sitting to the side. He's been very quiet. He's been very, very quiet. I know my place, Dave. All right. Just let you know, he'll be with us tomorrow. He'll be talking tomorrow. Talking guns at 9 o'clock with Ed. We'll start off with the female power panel. Then we'll move into the Bible guys. And then Ed Monk at 9 o'clock. All here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Join me tomorrow. I'll see you starting at 6 a.m. Yawn. I will see you then here on 1011 FM, The Answer. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.